0: And now, Move the Sticks, with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here, and we are one week away from the 2019
1: NFL Draft. Buck, how you doing, bud? Man, I'm good. You know, we're coming to the end of it. I can see the tape, but it's almost like running a long race. And you can see it, but man, (laughs) obviously appear a lot closer than they really, really are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we still got a few. We still, we still got some time. We still have some more tape to chew on and grind. We still have some more rumors to kind of sort out. But it's a fun time of year because when you talk to your scouting bud, buds and the biz, I mean, the draft is like their Super Bowl. It's the one opportunity that they have to sit at the big table to have their voice heard. And so this is a culmination of a lot of work by a lot of people. And to that point, I kind of saw the, the tread, the thread, Uh, Jim Nagy put out there about it seems like there's a little anti-scout business being floated out there on the Twitterverse. Yeah, Yeah. and I I can't really understand it because here's what I will say, and I know it can be easy for people on the outside looking in to kind of criticize scouts or maybe not getting it right. You're in a business where you're talking about the hit rate at the good level. Maybe you're 50-50, but really if you're coming up with batting averages, MLB batting averages, where you're 300, 350 or above, you're really doing a great job because I believe, and I'll stand on this, the hardest thing to do is to project a player going from college to the pros because you're looking at apples versus oranges. And it's a lot of subjectivity based on not only the talent that he has, but where he goes, how he's coached, what the fit is, what the coaching is, Uh, plan is and the plan of development for those players. And so we can sit here and speculate what someone is going to be two and three years down the line. But really, you have no way of knowing because there's so many variables that really impact the way that they play between the lines.
2: Now, I'm glad you referenced that the baseball reference there because that's going to be a little bit of a theme for us. You're talking about batting average. How about uh, we can talk slugging percentage swinging for the fences (laughs) because we're going to go over today. Some of the risky picks, and it's uh, we we talked about this on the phone. We're talking about light tower power. Do not choke up, Rob Deer. Uh, whatever you got to do, swing for the fences. You could hit one off the light tower, or you could strike out. So those type of risky players. Then on the other side of it, Buck, uh, we're going to look at some of the safe players, guys that'll will lay our head on the pillow and feel good about knowing they're part of your team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like there are a couple different approaches that you can take towards the draft. In the first round, we've talked about this, and using a baseball reference. In the first round. If you only have one pick and your team that's really trying to build it, it is really uh, in your best interest to be a contact hitter. You want to get on base. You want to advance the runner. You want to make sure that the guys that you take in the first round at their worst, they become solid starters for a long time. Now, if they become more than that, then look, you've knocked it out the park. You've done a great job. Um, if you have multiple picks, then you can be a little more uh, risky when it comes to the selection for one of those guys because you really want to make sure that you get it right with the first pick but then with the second one that's kind of a bonus pick if you hit on that guy that guy becomes a pro bowl player someone that's a difference maker you really upgraded the talent on your roster different approaches but at the end of the day you want to make sure that you get the first round right and then when you get into those other rounds second third and even the later rounds you may take a couple chances uh, we're going to get
2: into that, talking safe picks, talking risky picks. Also uh, going to get a chance to visit one of, the, uh, one of the more interesting players in this year's draft class, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Get a chance to visit with him, see how his health is after his, uh, his Liz Frank injury that he's trying to navigate through. Let's check in with him on that, talking to him uh, about what we should expect from him at the next level. Also, you got to remember, for those that don't know, uh, Hollywood-Brown, Cousins with Antonio Brown. Would he, want to, uh, would he be open to playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Something I look forward uh, to asking him a little bit later on in the show. But let's start safe picks first here, Buck. Let's go uh, guys that when you pick them, you feel very confident about. You feel very comfortable. Again, doubles, you know what you're buying. Uh, let's go safe picks. And just we can just kind of shotgun them here and just go one at a time. Who do, you, who do you like? Easiest
1: one for me is TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. He is a safe pick all day yep. because I know exactly what I'm buying. Uh, I know I'm getting a solid player who can do everything that I want to see done at the tight end position. He's a physical blocker at the point of attack. He can seal the edge uh, in the running game. He is a guy that can make plays over the middle of the field. Solid route runner. I've compared him uh, repeatedly to Jason Witten. When you think about Jason Witten and the long-term production and success that he has had with the Dallas Cowboys, I think T.J. Hoxton is a guy that is going to be very similar to that. I think you're talking about a 13, 14, 15-year vet that just Gives you steady, eddy production each and every season.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. He's one of my favorites in the entire draft class. I think you get a little bit of uh, both worlds there. You get some of the high end, you get some of the, the high floor as well. Uh, I'm going to go linebacker, and I have I have Devin White as my top off the ball linebacker. I actually, think Devin Bush is a little safer, just because Devin Bush uh, a little bit better taken on. He's a little more physical inside. Uh, so to me, in terms of just safe picks. Guy runs. He's got great character, leadership, intelligence. He checks so many different boxes. He's not six foot two. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's, a, he's 5'11, 234 pound linebacker. Uh, but to me, I, he's one clear packaging. I know exactly what I'm getting with Devin Bush.
1: It, it's funny that you say that because when you kind of describe that off, um, we talked about it. Like the guys that I, I fall in love with, the guys that are kind of my, my, my blue collar guys that I want, they're smart, they're tough, they're physical those guys always find a way to play in the league for a long time. And so you talk about Devin White and Devin Bush. I'm going to go with Taylor Rapp from UW. Uh, Taylor Rapp is not yeah. going to win uh, the, the Olympics as a decathlete. Like, didn't put in a great 40 time. But what he is, he's a rock-solid football player who consistently makes plays no matter how you use him. You want to put him near the box to be an extra defender against the run, check that off. You want him in the deep middle to make plays against a uh, prolific passing attack, check that off. If you need him to kind of come down and be a rover that is the enforcer lurking between the hashes, check that off. All the things that you're looking for at the position, he is able to do it. Now, is he the fastest when it comes to being able to get it done no, but I believe he plays faster on tape than he performs on the field, and part of that is due to his instincts, his high IQ, and just his overall football acumen. This is a guy that is going to be a start in the league for a long time. I can sleep comfortably at night knowing that Taylor Rapp is my starting safety.
2: Yeah, my next one, I'm with you on that, by the way, with Taylor Rapp. My next one, I'm, I'm going to give a two for here because Garrett Bradbury, I feel like we've talked about him so much. Oh, man, to really yeah. Need to go there, the center from NC State, but he's so clean and – uh, he's definitely somebody I would sleep well at night if I picked him. And I want to stay at the safety position. And sometimes when you're talking about safe picks, we're not talking just about first, second round guys. Uh, just players that you have a role form. You know exactly what you're going to get. Um, there's no there's no guesswork. Mike Edwards, a safety from Kentucky, Buck. He might not be the biggest guy in the world. 5'10", 4", so 5'10", and a half, 205 pounds. Ran 4'5", flat but I just love the fact I can drop him down and play him near the line of scrimmage. And I know exactly what I'm going to get from him. Uh, He's somebody that's going to be a very sure tackler. He's got some instincts to get his hands on some balls underneath. Uh, Just going to be a very dependable, reliable player. And Mike Edwards, probably, I would say fourth round is where he ends up going. Maybe he could sneak into the third round, but more than likely you're talking about a fourth round guy. Uh, And I feel great about
1: that pick. I mean, I feel, I feel pretty good about it uh, as well. Like, off the grid. You know what's funny? What's funny is we, we've take, made four or five picks and we haven't talked about a quarterback. So I'm going to put your no. feet to the fire. Who is your safest pick at the quarterback position? I'm just curious because I wrote down a name.
2: Yeah, uh, my safest pick at the quarterback position. Well, a lot, it's, you have to really eliminate one year guys, right? Because traditionally, one year mm-hmm. guy is not safe. You haven't seen a long track record. So that's the two top quarterbacks in the draft, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. I think we, you, we have a, the same two top guys that yes. just flipped. Yep. Um, so those guys wouldn't be classified as safe players because there's not enough track record. So then it comes down to who's next. Is it, is it Daniel Jones? Is it Drew Locke? Both those guys have played a lot of football. Um, I, I would probably say Daniel Jones uh, would, would be the one I'd feel <laughs> safe so about. Funny. Maybe that ceiling is not sky high, but I feel like the floor. I know what the floor is. Are it's you, so funny.
1: That is exactly what I wrote down. And it's funny because, like, it's mm-hmm. funny how the scouting process works out. Uh, very, very early in the process, when I would see Daniel Jones's name listed as maybe the first or the second, I was like, man, I don't know. Then I go to the Senior Bowl yeah. and I'm watching the practices and I felt like maybe kind of not he, great. He, he shrank a little bit at times on the practice field, but then he ends up as a Senior Bowl MVP. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but when the game was played, he made enough plays to earn that honor. And then when you talk to him and you talk to his his high school coach and you talk to people around him and he just kind of checks off all the boxes in terms of, look, this is a guy that is accountable. He's dependable. The game means a lot to him. He has the necessary insight en- instincts and intellect to be successful at it and we know that he is going to work hard at the craft it's easy to buy into those guys I'm not saying that he'll ever emerge as a top five better yet even a top 10 quarterback but I do know if Daniel Jones is my starting quarterback I know exactly what I'm getting and I believe I know how to build my team to kind of maximize who he is as a player
2: yeah, I, I couldn't say it better myself, Buck. I'm with you on all that. Go ahead, Kent. You got a question for us?
1: Yeah, we just talked about one of our 360 guys and Daniel Jones. How about the 360 we released this week, Clemson D-line? I'll start with you, Bucky. Out of all the Clemson D-linemen, who's the safest pick out of those guys? To me, I think it's Dexter Lawrence, and that's not being a homer. I think with Dexter, you know exactly what he is. He's uh, at his worst. He's a nose tackle who's capable of occupying multiple blockers and stopping the run. At his best, he ends up being more than that, meaning he can rush the passer, push the pocket a little bit, maybe gets you five to six sacks. I've kind of compared him a little bit. They're not the same, like, body type-wise, but he reminds me a lot of Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork was a solid player for a long time for the New England Patriots and then the Houston Texans. I would envision Dexter being very, very similar to that. Yeah, I think,
2: you know, really all of them have played a lot of ball. I feel like you know you're, what you're getting and the character checks out. So uh, I think they're all actually pretty clean and pretty safe. I, I would say Farrell just, um, as long as your expectations are, are aligned properly, I, I think he's going to be an 8-10 to 10 sack guy consistently. Think of the production you get from somebody like a Brandon Graham. Uh, look recently, a, a guy like Matt Judon, how they've played. Going to be stout against the run, can set the edge. And then it's going to, you know, give you some timely sacks. Maybe not going to get you a ton of sacks, but they're always timely. Shows up in big games. Just totally wired the right way. As you, if you listen to the 360 episode, you're going to, you know, learn about all these guys. Um, but Farrell, to me, just the, the whole military background and upbringing
1: and the I adversity mean, he's been into yes. in his life. I I bet on that kid all day long. Yeah, I mean, he's easy to bet on because you're right. The background uh, speaks volumes about his character and a lot of it. DJ, we've talked about this on air and off the air, like. When you get to know guys and you know kind of their why, you then can – it's easier to yeah. bank on those guys. And hearing his why and hearing the coach talk about his why and how he's wired, uh, I'm more than willing to believe that he's going to be a guy that makes it. And speaking of stories, um, would Josh Jacobs kind of qualify as a, oh, a yeah. guy that you would bank yes. on in terms of safe pick based on his background and what he's had to overcome?
2: Safe. Look, I love him as a player. I think he's a – fantastic player. I still have him in my top 10 and I readily admit he's not going in the top 10. I understand that. I just I believe so much in the kid. Now, if I was going to use the word safe, though, I think most people want to see more production um, and and he doesn't have that. So I wouldn't classify him in that in that regard as safe. I just I believe so much in the person and the kid and the ability. I've seen him do everything. There just isn't a long history of him doing everything. So to me, falls into the category a little bit with the top two quarterbacks, you know, just. Not a long track record there of production. So uh, maybe that excludes him from that list. But uh, do I believe in him and have I stamped my approval and kind of pushed my chips into the table? Any other analogy you want to use? Yes. (laughs) I'm a Josh Jacobs guy. I think that's well known.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, look, I I, I think his story, I, I think what he's had to overcome, I think the flashes that you see on tape when he's been given the ball and given opportunities to kind of be the guy, he's certainly shown it. Does he have the production that you want? No, but the skill set is there because he can run inside and outside. He can catch the ball out the backfield. He's dependable in pass protection. And when you get the story and what he's had to overcome, I believe he's going to be wired the right way mentally, that he's always going to be a guy that is working at his craft, that football means a lot to him. And basically, I don't want to say it's his saving grace, but it's going to give him an opportunity to change his life for the better. And I think when you come from certain situations like that, I think it's always going to be the priority. I think he's going to take care of business when he's asked to be a feature back.
2: Uh, I'm going to do one more here, and then we'll switch over to guys that uh, we want to take a shot on or are risky and have a huge upside. Uh, Last one for me, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. Buck, he's got 40 contested catches over the last two years. He's going to make plays down in the red zone. He's quicker than people give him credit for. He's quick off the line of scrimmage. He's quick in and out at the top of his route. Uh, I think he's going to be a good pro. I I like him a lot. I feel like the floor is very high for him.
1: Oh, I mean, I think the floor is for him, and, and, DJ, part of what we're doing when we talk about safe fix, I think is being able to look at a prospect and say, I know exactly what I can do with you. I know exactly what role you feel, and you will excel in that role. We've heard the Patriots talk about that for so long, how they put guys in roles and the reason that they are able to get uh, production out of guys that other teams couldn't is because they only ask their guys to play certain roles, and that allows them to always play to their strengths. And so with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Look, I expect him to be a, a red zone weapon, a guy that can win those 50-50 balls along the border or in the middle of the field. And third down, when it comes to moving the chains, he is always going to be able to do that. I, I kind of envision him. He's not the same kind of player in terms of Michael Thomas, but the way that the Saints used Michael Thomas over the middle of the field as a big slot receiver, maybe Arsega Whiteside can do that and do some of the things on the outside down in the red zone.
2: All right, Buck, before we get to the risky players, let's
1: get something straight. Your teeth. Smile Direct Club straightens your teeth for 60% less than braces with invisible aligners sent directly to you. Simply go online and book a free 3D scan at one of their smile shops or order an at-home impression kit. Then they'll email you a preview of your new smile. And once you get your aligners, one of Smile Direct Club's. Duly licensed doctors will check in on your progress every 90 days. Visit SmileDirectClub.com for real before and after photos from some 550,000 plus satisfied grinners.
2: And exclusive for our listeners, you can get $100 off your invisible liners when you go to SmileDirectClub.com slash podcast and use the offer code sticks. You also get a $25 Amazon gift card with a free 3d scan at one of their smile shops or a $25 rebate on an at-home impression kit. That's $100 off at smile direct club.com slash podcast offer code stick smile direct club. .com slash podcast, offer code STICKS. All right, Buck, getting to some of these players with uh, some risk involved, but uh, the payoff could be huge here. I'll give you the floor for the first one.
1: Well, if we're going to swing for the fences, I'm going big, and I'm going to go with DK Metcalf right out the gate. Uh, You talk about uh, a boom-a-bust prospect in terms of a guy who has outstanding speed, great physical dimensions. But when you look at the tape, uh, he's a guy that runs kind of like four routes. He's a go, post deep, over, and occasionally a slant runner who makes plays down the field because he can just outrun everybody. If you take him and if you ask him to be a, a complete route tree runner, you can be disappointed because I don't believe he is a guy that is truly a number one receiver. However, I think if he's a compliment on the backside, basically a bigger, more physical version of Ted Ginn Jr., he can be a dominant player that maybe gets you a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns on occasion because he is just so dominant as a vertical playmaker.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna go to the defensive side of the ball, though, and I think maybe the biggest boomer bust player in the entire draft is Sean Gary from Michigan, um, who is just a freak. When you talk about what does a freak look like, how about six four and a half, almost 280 pounds, and he ran four five eight. Uh, that is some freaky stuff when you look at the testing. I think he plays hard. I know some people have banged him on his effort. I didn't see that. I thought I've seen the guy win with speed. I've I've seen him convert speed to power. The problem is he hasn't been able to locate the football. He doesn't get his name in the box score as much as you would like for somebody you're going to take in the top 10. You now he battled a little bit of an injury. Uh, people can uh, say, ah, I don't like how he was used. At the end of the day, he just doesn't simply have the production you normally see from a top 10 pick. And you're looking for comparisons. Uh, to me, different situations in terms of one was a five-star recruit. The other one was kind of an unknown. But Ziggy Ansa, and coming into the league, you saw the athlete he was. And you had to project a little bit of, of the production. Say the production will come. He's got all the skills you need. It's up to the defensive line coach to kind of get that out of him. Uh Sean Gary Buck, if we look back five years from now, and he's been to some Pro Bowls and, and had 14, 15 sack seasons, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if he's on his second team, I wouldn't be totally surprised. So there is a huge variance there, which you can get.
1: Yeah, huge variance, just in terms of like you see the athleticism, but it doesn't match up to the production that pops off the tape. Uh, I have a similar Player, different risk. I'm gonna go with Ja'Kai Polite from Florida. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, I love the tape in terms of the way that he plays, the motor, the effort, the energy, the sack production, the force fumble production. I like all of those things. However, I am a little leery on what he's going to be able to do because. He didn't work out well. Uh, He didn't interview well when he had his opportunity at the combine and at Pro Days. And so you just don't know. And then you find out that he's had a suspension from Florida. So you wonder, look, is this a guy that's going to be able to kind of toe the line when it comes to the protocol and the expectations that are needed for him to be a spectacular pro? I don't know. But I do know if I can get him to the field and if he avoids all the other stuff, I think he has a chance to be a really good player.
2: Yeah, tape's pretty good, man. Uh, when you look at the tape, there's, uh, there's a lot to like there. Uh, I'm going to go uh, to the secondary, and Greedy Williams. Ha, <laughs> <I'm somebody laughs> head him down. i just struggled with. Did you? Yeah, yeah I, I had just him one down. one I've struggled with the whole time. and I, I just know, look, he's, he's got the height, weight, speed you look for. He's got some plays in the ball that are impressive. I think he's more smooth and fluid than he is just sudden and twitched up. I think he's kind of a strider with speed, and sometimes that worries you at the corner position because there's a lot of transition, a lot of quick change of direction. I don't know that he's great there. I, you know, I can kind of get through that. My issue is just his lack of, uh, uh, lack of desire in the run game. Toughness. Yeah, and it's, he's just allerg- he's allergic to tackling. And when I look at a corner like that and I look at the way the game's played right now, Buck, you can, I can guarantee you, in his first game, his first regular season game, within the first five plays, he is going to see toss. He's going to see fly sweep. They are going to challenge him and force him to make tackles and be aggressive and fill in the run game. It's going to happen. He's going to definitely get challenged in that area and how he reacts to it's going to determine uh, what he's going to be as a pro.
1: Yes, you got to be tough enough. Like, I mean, despite the misnomer that, oh, a cover corner can just float out there, there are liabilities in the run game. And tough to do that now, man, man. Yeah, like people put you under pressure because not only the run game, but you got to be able to stop these wide receivers with the bubble screens. Teams are taking advantage of weak corners by throwing those bubble screens and fly sweeps over and over and over again. So it is mandatory now that you have to be a tackler. You have to be, you don't have to be a train killer, but you have to be willing to kind of stick your nose in there. You got to put your face in the fan and make make things happen. So for Greedy Williams, he is going to have to flip the switch and become a tougher uh, tackler, a tougher competitor than he displayed during his time in college. I have a guy that is not similar, but I do wonder, not necessarily about his toughness, but can his game translate to the pros? And that's Brian Burns, uh, the defensive end from Florida State. And one of the reasons why I have a concern is he played significantly lighter than he showed up at the combine. And when you watched him on tape, he's a speed rusher only. He wants to go up the field and win with first-step quickness and burst. He has an occasional spin move that he used to get inside. But I wonder, at the size and weight that he played at at Florida State, how is he going to handle when offensive tackles put their hand on him? Does he have the strength to be able to ward off those long-arm blockers? Is he going to be able to dip and rip and get past them? I just don't know. We met him here, path to the draft, big man in terms of size, but can he hold that weight when we get into the thick of the season? It's a huge concern, and because of that, I'm worried about him being kind of a one-trick pony when it gets to the next level.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky evaluation. You've got the Barkevious-Mingo thing that kind of hangs over your head a little it, bit. It, it and, does. Gosh, man, it does that, It does. don't want to make that mistake. So, you know, that's a tough evaluation. I'll stay on the defensive front. Tristan Hill from Central Florida, if you just want to look at somebody that's dynamic and explosive inside him, he might, he has the capabilities of being one of the best players in this draft. You just see the flashes. They're wow flashes. Of course, you had a changeover in staff. It's been well documented. He only started one game this year. But you flip on the tape at the end of the season and you see him. uh, He is disruptive, he is explosive. I think he's so talented, Buck. He's a classic second round pick to me. Uh, somebody's just going to say, hey, I would never not take that risk in round one. Uh, but, man, I, I don't see him getting out of the second round. The ability level is too good.
1: Uh, the ability level is too good. And when you get to the second round, you're really trying to throw a dart and try and hit on someone that can be a starter and a key contributor. He has so, shown that potential, and that's going to give him a chance. And so you hope for some of these guys it just comes together with the right coaching, the right environment. Uh, I do believe peer pressure matters. Sometimes that can get people to elevate their games because – they feel the standard is raised and they want to meet the standard All right, give me uh, give me one more here mm, one more I'm gonna go with one of my favorites but there is some risk involved how about Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech uh, he's one of my favorites because yeah. the production is there. You've seen on multiple occasions look he finished as the FBS all-time sack leader he shattered uh Terrell Suggs record and finished with 45 sacks and so sack production translates you see him play violent he has a mean streak that I like I like the dog that he has in him but there are some concerns he puffed up he got bigger uh in the offseason doing this pre-draft process some of it was to show people that maybe he could be a bigger and better and more explosive athlete didn't really test well and so for me I'm hoping that he goes back to his normal weight. I'm hoping that he retains the edge that made him a dominant player in college. If he does that, I think he has a chance to be a really good player. Probably not going to be a first-round pick. But I think he can be a guy that outplays his draft status because he does understand the art of rushing the passer. And then I have one to throw out to you guys. What about Dalton Reisner? This is a guy, if you watched them against Mississippi State earlier this year, he kind of owned – montez sweat and did really well against that d line which is going to have two high picks but i notice you know he's number 40 on your list dj he's not in the top five for you in terms of tackles or interior guys bucky what about him is maybe a question and what is his boom or bust potential yeah he's interesting because the things that i like about him man he's a scrapper he's a tough hard-nosed guy on the edge. He did have a good game, a solid game against Montes where we was able to kind of neutralize him and, and and stuff him. And he showed potential at the Senior Bowl. He held his own against all the top guys that were there. Um, I think I, what I worry about maybe some of the lateral quickness. Like when he has to face like the yeah. elite guys coming off the edge, is he going to be able to share, shadow and mirror some of those guys? But I like the tough guy factor. I think for him uh, team fit, scheme fit is really important. I would prefer that he went to a team that is a little more rugged in their approach in terms of maybe run first, pass second, allow him to kind of come out of his stance and just maul people. Then I think it's easier for him to then maul and reset when it comes to those play action passes.
2: Yeah, the question is, is he going to end up playing uh, tackler or center? I mean, he's played center early on in his career. There's a lot of teams that feel like he slides in there. He's got really strong hands. He's got a real strong core. Um, just sometimes his feet are a little bit slow uh, to get to spots. And he can get away with that at the collegiate level, at the NFL level. That's going to get you in trouble. Also, he's a little bit of a heel clicker, uh, which can mess with your balance a little bit. If you think about a pass set, you want to have some, some base and balance there. It's hard to do that when your legs are coming together. Um, and those are, just, again, some things you can get away with at the college level. You can't get away with that at the NFL level. So a uh, couple things he just needs to clean up. I, again, I have him at, uh, at 40, so I have him as an as a early second-round pick. I think he'll be a solid player. I just don't view him as an as an upper echelon, uh, big time dude. But he'll be a starter. You don't have to worry about him. And uh, I think he'll be a good pro. All right, Buck. My last one. I'm going to go quarterback. You talked about uh, Daniel Jones. We mentioned him uh, being a safer pick. To me, Jared Stidham is the one. Kind of a could be a hero or zero. If you just watch him in shorts, as we have both had a chance to do at the Elite Eleven, he spins it as well as anybody in this draft class. He's got a beautiful motion, a beautiful arm. The ball pops. Um, it hasn't really worked out great at Auburn. This uh, this system was not very friendly to him. We're talking about somebody that's got size. He's athletic. He's got a big arm. Uh, all the character stuff, the intelligence, he checks those boxes. It just hasn't always shown up on the field. So to me, third round, swing for the fences. You might get something there with Jared Stidham.
1: Yeah, I, I, look, I think the guy's wired the right way in terms of he, he strikes me as a guy that is high IQ, uh, very diligent and deliberate worker when it comes to learning and mastering offenses i think the arm talent is sufficient i think he can make the throws that you need to make uh, when you're a starting quarterback in the league for whatever reason when he was at auburn didn't necessarily play in a system that matched his talent and so we didn't get a chance to really see him but i think you have to remember he was a highly decorated recruit show flashes at baylor that he could be a big time guy so i think this is a situation where if he's matched up with the right coach and given time to kind of sink into a to kind of settle into a system i think he has a chance to be a starting quarterback down the line yeah i'm uh, i'm with you on that one. we'll
2: see what happens with some of these risky players could hit it big or you could miss that's the uh, that's the beauty of the nfl draft you know buck it can be a little frustrating especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train and if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet you can feel a little bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't.
1: Ever. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they can't stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you, well, better not think about that. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result is disaster.
2: If the signals are on, the train is on the way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop, because trains can't. All right, Buck, we're, uh, we're coming to the uh, latter portion of today's podcast, but I do believe we've saved the best for last. I know we've saved the fastest for last, and you'll know what I'm talking about when you hear our conversation with the man named Hollywood. All right, Buck, we uh, couldn't be more excited to be joined by the most explosive player in the 2019 NFL Draft. Some know him as Marquise, but we know him as Hollywood, and that's how the world is going to know him uh, once he gets into the NFL. Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma joining us. How you doing, man?
3: Doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
2: And i, I got to ask you, first of all, and then I'll, I'll get over to Buck here, just how, how's the foot feel, and how's your health right now?
3: Uh oh, it's feeling good. It's coming along really well, you know, it's... Been gaining me a lot of confidence. Um, just started back, you know, running, doing some, you know, different drills and mobility work. So, you know, everything is on schedule.
1: You know, Hollywood, you had an outstanding final season. How much did that injury plague you at the end of the year, particularly when we saw you uh, in the playoffs?
3: Uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, I try to stick it out for my team If as being a, anything I could do. You know, if I was a decoy or – if I was just, you know, anything I could do to help, that's what I was trying to do. So I wasn't really – was it was one of the end of the games of the season. So if we would have had another game after that, I probably would have still, you know, tried to go.
2: Well, what is the team that drafts you getting? I would look back at my notes, and my, my favorite line that I wrote down after watching you was, was two words. It was sudden death because it was like it doesn't matter where you are in the field, uh, you're capable of putting that thing into the paint. And making things happen, but when you watch the game on Sundays, is there somebody you watch and say, "Okay, I, I know I can do that. That's what I want to be at the next level."
0: Yeah,
3: I watch a combination of guys. You know, of course, I watch A. B., but then you know, I always grew up watching Deshaun Jackson. I watch Tyreek Hill. You know, I watch I watch a lot of guys. You know, even bigger receivers like I like DeAndre Hopkins. So it's just their mentality out there is like they they're fearless out there, and that's how I play the game. I'm fearless. And anytime I do touch it, I, you know, I'm trying to score. You know, you have
1: a unique relationship with A.B., Antonio Brown, uh, being a cousin, but also being a mentor. What have you learned from watching him, from interacting and working out with him to really help you become a better player?
3: Uh, it's to be a pro. You know, it's, he, he taught me a lot, you know, from off the field to on the field. And it's just my mentality out there, you know, when I'm training. You got to train how you play, you know? And it's, that's just what he taught me, his mentality. And when you out there, you know, you got to think you're the most dominant on the field.
2: I, I want to ask you real quick about, you know, the, the way things kind of ended there in Pittsburgh with Antonio. It got a little bit messy. I know he's happy to be in Oakland uh, now going forward. But if the Pittsburgh Steelers <clears throat> were to draft you, would you have any issue at all playing for the Steelers?
3: Uh, no, not at all, you know? He wouldn't have no issue either, you know, they I love Pittsburgh, you know. They got Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, I, I love it out there. You know,
1: Hollywood, coming into this process, like the combine process, you couldn't participate in it. But at some point, you're going to have an opportunity to get back on the field. When you have an opportunity to get back on the field, be it at rookie minicamp or training camp, what are some of the things that you want to show people or remind people that you're able to do on the field?
3: I'm going to show them that, you know, that I play a lot bigger than what my size may say and you know when you watch the games you don't know how big I am so I'm gonna remind people that you know it ain't no issue
2: <laughs> yeah I don't think it's going to be an issue that's one of the things I, I loved about you is uh, even though you're not the tallest guy in the world you play above the rim you go attack the football uh, and you're strong there at the catch point
1: you know, in, in thinking about your love of playing there, there have been some successful receivers. D.D. Westbrook was the last one to go from there, and he's had some success in the league. What is it about playing wide receiver at Oklahoma that is going to allow you to have immediate success in the pros?
3: Uh, it's just um, practice, like I said, and how, what they ask of you here. You know, they ask for you to block. They're going to let you run them routes. And, you know, Coach Riley... He, he does a good job, and Coach Simmons, Coach Gandhi, they do a good job with the receivers here and helping you develop and really studying, studying uh, film and habits like that, you know, help translate to the next level. Last question,
2: last question for me, and I'm gonna let you go. We look forward to following you as you go through this process. Uh, we have you as top wide receiver uh, in this draft class. Just in your own words, why are you the premier wideout in this year's class?
3: uh honestly you know i don't really get into you know who top or not i just know what i bring to the table and you know i'm a guy that really loves to win at the end of the day you know the film gonna speak but as far as a person i want to win this game and i want to win every game so that's just what i'm gonna bring to the table you know i want to win that's fantastic
2: well dude we uh we appreciate you taking some time for us today finally uh it's finally here a little more over a little out, a week from now. You'll know where you're going, and yeah. uh, we're excited to follow you through the process, But
3: Thanks, man. Appreciate y'all. Hey,
1: what a fantastic conversation with Hollywood Brown. Uh, man, he is everything that we expect him to be as a playmaker, but I think his insight on the quarterbacks and how he has improved uh, as a player and what he wants to accomplish at the pros, that is the stuff that we talk about separates the good from the greats. So I think he's going to have an opportunity to be a great one at the next level.
2: I'm with you on that. Great to, uh, to catch up with that stud receiver from Oklahoma. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We are a week out from the NFL draft. We will have our draft special coming uh, to you next week from Nashville. I'll be out there, and Buck will uh, get a chance to catch up on all the last-minute buzz, where we see this draft going. Uh, cannot wait to get out there. Also, we have our 360 series. It is out there. Trust me, it's, it's some of the best stuff we've ever done. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, Nick Bosa. Daniel Jones, the Clemson defensive line, and soon uh, we will have we will release the Kyler Murray 360, which is
1: uh, one of the best we've ever done, in my opinion, Buck. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. Kyler Murray and all the people talking about him, they really shed a lot of light on the Heisman Trophy winner. All right, remember, you can check out the Move the Six podcast, NFL.com slash podcast, Apple
2: Podcast, or your favorite podcast app and all of our video content, NFL.com slash MTS video, YouTube.com. Slash Nfl. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Do yourself a favor, NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks. You can check out what Bucky's talking about as we head towards the 2019 NFL draft. You can check out not only his positional rankings, mock drafts, all that good stuff. You can find my mock draft on NFL.com uh, as well. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a midsize SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander.
3: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential
0: services. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, SmileActives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to SmileActives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.